We're going to 1 Peter this morning, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16 and 22 through 25. This is a, the word of the Lord that comes to us from the epistle, 1 Peter. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love or genuine love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and enduring of the word of God, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. I am grateful for this Sunday as we move into out of the Christmas season. You're wondering, y'all, it's January. Why do we still have Christmas decorations set up? It was because technically we're still in the Christmas season. We have, we're entering now into Epiphany, and this is the time now you can start taking your Christmas decorations down. If you've been waiting for permission, here it is. You can start taking them down. We're going to. I'm sure Brittany would love some help. Brittany, when are you planning on taking these down? <laughs> next Sunday. So if you want to come help after worship next Sunday, Brittany will help you. You can give her a hand and she'd appreciate it. But um, we, we, as we go through this season, as we celebrate the new year, we're beginning a new series. And we plan this series in conjunction with the new year. Because we have all made our resolutions for the year. Everybody made your resolutions? You don't have to raise your hand, just in your mind. If you haven't, you still got time. You know, it's still early. And if you've already filled your resolutions, grace to you and forgiveness. Start again tomorrow. I have joined the most cliche of groups. I'm hitting the gym. <laughs> going to be healthy. Michael and I are going to hold each other accountable. He's going to um, help me eat less Oreos. And I'm going to help him be funny. So we, um, <laughs> he listens to this stuff every week. I'm gonna get in trouble tomorrow, I'm gonna tell you what. Somebody asked me the other day, why have you been wearing jackets when you preach lately? You, you look too professional. I was like, y'all don't understand. When you add on a little bit of weight, that jacket helps, you know, it just. No, we, we've entered to the, the resolution season. We're gonna all be holding each other accountable. And I have noticed though, that for most of us, when we make our New Year's resolutions, if you are a Christian, Likely, there is a component of yours that contains some notion of increasing your blank about faith. Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe it's your attendance at church. So far, you're batting a thousand. Way to go. Maybe it's how much you're going to read the Bible or how you're going to serve in a new area. But for many of us, our faith journey is often joined into our New Year's resolution. And so we wanted to lean into that to give us some ways to think about how do we actually improve in matters of faith? Specifically, how do we be holy? And what does it mean to be holy? So for the next four weeks, we're gonna talk about holy living, holy action, holy discipline, and holy responsibility. Those all might sound a little intimidating, but they're not. They're things that most of us do at some capacity each and every day. 
But we want to get into the nitty-gritty details of what does it actually mean to be holy, and then how do we do that? How do we live holy lives? And so today, this morning, we're going to start this series with this sermon about holy living. What does it actually mean to live holy lives? So will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Have you ever seen the infomercials or really the, the little short commercials on NBC from the series called The More You Know? Right, that's been going on for a long time. If you've ever watched a show on NBC, especially during the prime time, you'll see one of these 30 second little commercials called The More You Know, where a celebrity gets on the screen and gives you some sort of life information. The More You Know is celebrating its 30th year of making these commercials, of making these info sessions. For the past three decades, it's been 30 to 40 second PSAs with people coming on like Betty White and George Clooney and Joan Rivers and Neil Patrick Harris and the great Steve Harvey, you know? They all show up. And they tell you something maybe either you didn't know or you already knew, but it's good to be reminded of as little nuggets of wisdom. But they're often cast in subdued, very serious tones because the things they talk about, they're very serious, right? They, they cover subjects from education to obesity to the environment and everything in between. But having seen a number of these videos, have you ever watched one of those and it like changed your life? I mean, maybe you have, and I don't want to discredit that. If you watched one of these, the more you know videos and your life was entirely changed, that's awesome and it worked. I have never experienced that. I've watched these videos and thought, oh, that's inspiring. Or that's, that's good to know. I mean, I've never met somebody who used to smoke and then they saw David Schwimmer show up in the middle of Friends and say, you should stop smoking. And so they stopped smoking, right? That, I've never heard somebody's life been changed by Steve Harvey showing up for 30 seconds, telling you one inspiring thing and then everything being changed from then on. So I would like to make a suggestion to NBC. And maybe you can help me file this. I don't know how to get in touch with NBC. So if you know anybody there, let's meet after this. But I would like to suggest that maybe these become a little more practical. Maybe these NBC, the more you know segments become a little more matter of fact, a little more specifically helpful. Like for example, if Al Roker comes on during a commercial, and were to say something like, most spreadsheets like Microsoft Excel and Apple numbers do not use spell check automatically. That would be a very helpful thing to know, especially if for some reason you put together a spreadsheet and you're not very good at spelling and then you send out 50 copies to like everybody in your organization and then you found out later that you misspelled about half the words because there's no red squiggly lines underneath it. That would have been good to know before, I sent, before you sent that <laughs> spreadsheet out, right? Helpful things, specific things. Like if Howie Mandel popped up between scenes of America's Got Talent and said, you know, you can actually download the entirety of Wikipedia onto a USB drive. Did you know that? You didn't know that. If you didn't know that, I'm impressed. But if you ever find yourself without internet, but need to look up like who the 28th president was, you'll be prepared because the more you know told you, you could download all of Wikipedia onto a USB drive. Or what would be great? Like Tony Danza came onto the TV. If he had to come onto the TV. And he showed up and he TV and he looked right at the camera and says, in the United States, and he gets really serious about it. In the United States, it's customary to stand on the right and walk on the left when using stairs and escalators. 
Because then every time I'm in the airport, I wouldn't be more frustrated because the lazy people that are standing on the escalator, I'm trying to get to my next flight and I'm gonna miss it because you won't move up the escalator. That would be really helpful to know. So can we please get a little more practical with the advice that we are dispensing through the radio and airwaves? Because I need a little more practicality in my life, which is why we're starting the series that we are this morning. I know I'm being a little silly, but I, I think we should start this series with a little levity a little lightness, because the subject of the series rarely has levity. It rarely has humor when we talk about holiness. We get really serious when we talk about being holy, about strict rules, about how do you be better. It's not funny. This is not a laughing matter. There's a Bill Ingvall joke, like, God don't think stuff's funny. We get real serious when we talk about holiness, but I think maybe if we're going to actually try to be holy, we should change our approach a little bit so that it actually sticks. So we actually can start living into these lives of what it means to be holy and not just what it means to be judgmental or condemning. But I think central in today's scripture that sets up our whole four-week journey into holiness is a concept that holiness is to be grace-filled and lead to love. I wanna break our scripture into two parts this morning. I wanna break it into the first part that helps us realize that we do have an imperative to be holy. So give us our scriptural basis for why we should be holy. And the second, that we recognize that holiness leads to love. All right, so let's turn back to 1 Peter. Let's go to verse 13, and it'll be on the screen if you wanna just look on here for a second as we walk through it, but it's not gonna be on the whole time. But he says, um, we give, we're given a specific imperative. He says that we are to be prepared, our minds for alert and fully sober so that you are set to grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. All right, so be ready, be alert, take action, be obedient. So verse 14 says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you were in ignorance. So we are to be faithful, we are to be alert, we are to be ready, but it means we're supposed to be mindful of the things for which we have been instructed to do. So our scriptures, our wise counselors, our church, our tradition has instructed things into our heart. Let us bring those to mind. Let us keep them at the forefront. Let us not conform to the desires that were born before we knew what the grace of God was and what we were called to do. You know right from wrong because you have been instructed in the ways of right and wrong. We do not want to gratify ourselves, the things that are born outside. But we are called, as verse 15 says, to be holy just as Christ is holy, just as God is holy. So be holy in all that you do. So let's pause here. Take the scripture off the screen for a second. We're always going to pause and think about this. Do you understand that this verse is telling you you should be more like God? Because when you say that out loud, it's kind of weird. When, when you think about like what God is, who God is, how we conceive of God, whatever it might be in your mind's eye, First Peter is helping us think we are supposed to actually be more like God, which is kind of intimidating. It just seems kind of far-fetched. It seems like this big pie-in-the-sky thing, but this is actually not a new concept. This is something Christians have talked about since the very beginning. 
To be holy means to be more like God. For centuries, people have taken the notion of holiness very seriously. And at different times, there's been different amounts of weight placed on this imperative to be holy. You know, in fact, much of our identity as Wesleyans, as United Methodists, comes from this thing called the holiness movement. There's this period in our tradition where there is this re-emphasis on we need to be holy. We need to stop being like the world. We gotta be holy. There's no denying that a great amount of where we've come from comes from this issue, this idea, this concept that we are to be holy as God is holy. We affirm this personal call, this call to personal and communal holiness. That still doesn't make it less intimidating, right? Because as I said, the, the concept of holiness, it's been very stern at times. Sometimes this, this notion to be holy might seem difficult or something that is not part of our, our real life experience. That's just you know, what the church tells us to do. But I think that's largely because we've never had the practical notion, the practical realities, the practical examples of what that actually looks like and means. Which is why I wanna turn back to the rest of our scripture this morning, the second part of our scripture. We have the imperative to be holy, to be set apart, but we have different interpretations throughout Christian tradition and history about what that actually means. And I feel like the second part of the scripture helps us, but it also gets overlooked. Peter goes on to say, now that you have purified your hearts by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. I love this part. I think this is essential. Now that you have become holy, now that you're trying to be holy, your holiness should lead you to have a sincere love for one another. Love one another deeply. All right, so holiness, when you are being holy, it actually leads you to be more loving. If your holiness leads you to be judgmental, if your holiness leads you to be condemning, if your holiness leads you to be anything other than loving, that is not the holiness to which God calls us into. He says, you have been born again. You've been born anew. Becoming Christian, you've been reborn, not of something that will fade away, but of something that is imperishable, something that will last forever, the living, enduring word of God. This new life that will last forever, this new life that Peter is talking about, I don't think he's specifically just talking about heaven. I don't think he's just talking about eternal life or the afterlife. I think he's talking about the actions that you do, the things that are born out of your holiness, the results of that work, they're gonna live on forever. Your impact will continue on long after you're gone. How do you live forever? Not just in this idea of we have eternal life in Jesus Christ, but by making an impact on other people's lives. And so if you are living a holy life, you are leading a life that is fully loving and embracing, that is caring and full of grace, and it will change other people's lives. Whose life has been changed because of your holiness? Not trying to make you feel guilty, just making you reflect. This is the new year. We're reflecting. We're going to be better. Whose life has been changed because they experienced love through the ways in which you tried to act holy? 
I think the part, reason why we don't remember this part of the scripture, I said, you know, I think we discount the second part of the scripture, is because it, it reminds us of the things, you, the, the more you know kind of ads, right? It's good information, but it's kind of hard to think about in a, how do I implement this into a daily practice? So I am not the most organized person. There are people in this room that can attest to that. Brianna keeps a, a planner with every single detail. And she's actually been a little antsy because she ordered a new planner and it's not here yet and the new year has started. So pray for her, for real. Um, pray for me, I said pray for her. But, but as we think about holiness, the reason why we plan this series is because we want to get into the, the practicality of this. And so this first sermon really is to just set the tone. We need to be people who believe and appreciate the reality that holiness matters. Our Christian culture um, is wide in variety about this opinion, about what that looks like. There are certain Christian traditions that says, you know, holiness looks like whatever cultural morality standards are. And if you aren't the best version of yourself, you're not the best person possible, then you're not a real Christian. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's holiness doesn't matter at all, you know, just live the life you want to live. As long as you've got grace, you'll be forgiven. It doesn't really matter. You don't, you know, just, just come ask for forgiveness later on. You'll be fine, right? That, that's just different ways in which we, even people right in this room, we, we, we are all on that spectrum. So I want us to start this series by saying holiness does matter. Being holy matters. But proper holiness, holiness that is born out of this lens through which First Peter casts, is one that is lived fully in love and in grace. And so I desperately want us to be a church that tries to be holy as God is holy, that tries to, to be more loving and grace-filled as God is. Because when we miss the fact that holiness should lead to love, we settle for practices of cultural holiness. We judge ourselves based on the standards of others. Am I living up to what the church down the road or what the person next door or what my boss says about me? And your, your cultural standards become the, the benchmark that you set for yourself. And your holiness is no longer based on scripture and on God and on love, but what makes you look best in your peers' eyes. Who listens to the least amount of rock and roll? Who says the fewest amount of curse words? Who, who does whatever is considered a bad to the least. And what I want us to do instead is to dig deep over these next three weeks, four weeks together and say, all right, we believe we are called to be holy, but what does it mean to take holy action? What does it mean to take seriously our holy disciplines to every day live lives that are painted by the things we do that cause us to live more lovingly? And then how does our responsibility as parents, as children, as sisters and brothers, as whatever your role is in the world, as doctors, lawyers, financial professionals, teachers, as people who care for families and make sure that everyone is doing well, what is your role, how is your responsibility lived through a lens of holiness? Because holiness should paint our entire lives. And I think we discredit it or we don't consider it because sometimes it seems too hard or it seems like we are gonna be judging others or we're judged too harshly ourselves. But if we don't learn to take it seriously, 
we can never fully experience the genuine love for other people. So I pray that we are a church that takes this imperative to be holy as God is holy, seriously, but doesn't let it be conflated by the society and the cultural standards. Instead, we say, what do I need to do to be able to love others more? How do I reflect God's love and grace to my children, to my parents, to my friends, to my coworkers, to my classmates, and let my holiness transform someone's life because they've experienced the love of God? And so I hope you'll be with us through these next couple weeks. And if you're not, I hope you, you follow along on the podcast or the live stream because this is a great way for us to start our year together. As we are setting our resolutions to be better people, let's set a resolution to be holy as God is holy. Will you pray with me?